Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. On this podcast, Rob and I discuss the books we're reading for the first time and share our thoughts and notes with each other. If this is your first time listening, we suggest you read Homeland, book one in the Dritz de Urden series, through chapter six before listening to this episode. That way, you can follow along with our conversation. So, that's what we're doing. This is episode 100. Oh my god. Of Death Readers. The we podcast with podcast tears with sixes of listeners, <laughs> and we are we we decided last episode to jump into a new series, so we decided to go or the Chance Cube decided that we were going to start with our a Salvatore's uh, Bobby Salvatore, his his epic, apparently over thirty part series. Oh boy, starring uh, the Drow Elf Dritz de Urden. Uh, and we're starting with book one. So um, before we move forward with talking about this book, or at least this first six chapters of it, um, do you have any housekeeping? Uh, no housekeeping. We should do the edition edition. Fuck the edition edition. I keep forgetting that's a thing. You invented it, man. The edition edition. Yeah, but you know, like, do you think Thomas Edison always forgot? Like, do you think he remembered about the light bulb all the time? Or do you think he would, like, have these moments where a light would go over his head and be like, oh, yeah, I invented that. <laughs> wow. I, I appreciate the, the 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 fucking sightseeing tour you took me on for that. And if you look over to our left, you will see the joke being set up. I mean, that's great. To be fair to me, I had no setup. That had to just happen. Uh, I just I'm saying you wove it instantaneously, and I appreciate it. I did. It was like Rumpelstiltskin, the edition edition. I got mine digitally from my local library app. And they sent me to Amazon, where I downloaded it for free to my Kindle. And I'm reading the digital version of Homeland. Nice. My copy is the... It's it's one of those things, again, where it's like, I'm reading like a trade paperback. So it says that it's the edition, this edition first printing, December 2005. Then it also says first hardcover printing, March 2004 originally published as book one of the dark elf trilogy in august 1990 well so i think what that means is this mm -hmm. is the first printing in this for lack of a better word edition so this is the forgotten realms book one version of this book right Um, where at this point they know there's way more than three books and they can make a big cohesive set actually that's uh, uh, not really housekeeping but i did want to bring this up now Actually, this is kind of the Phantom Menace. Apparently, the Icewind Dale trilogy was actually published first. And that, uh, I believe, starts with book four in the series, The Crystal Shard. And that's when it gets real good? No, I, th- I mean, maybe. I think, that, I think that the problem is that this is the first actual book. Okay. And then the success of this series mm-hmm. and the success of Drizzt in this world, in this book, a realm. Yeah, in this, in this, in this trilogy, actually makes these books worth making, like the Homeland gotcha. and and the next and and the next ones, um, worth making. So I didn't know that when we started, uh, and because as it turns out, if you look into Crystal Shard, uh, it says right here in the inside of it. Originally published in 1988, which is before 1990. 1990, sure. So I, I'm not I'm not super concerned about it. 
Uh, I will say this on the back of my copy of the crystal shard sci-fi watch.com says in Drids de Urden, Salvatore creates one of the greatest fantasy heroes ever. So that's cool. That's cool. Uh, anyway, uh, so my, my edition is the, uh, it's the wizards of the coast, uh, published. I'm not sure if this was published before wizards own dungeons and dragons, which is why, or I'm not sure if the first publishing of this book sure, 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 sure. was before wizards owned like back in the nineties when it was just a trilogy. Or even back when Drizzt was originally created in 1988. Like, I don't know. Well, that know. book, they wouldn't have owned that book at all back in 1988. That's that's kind of my point. Astute observation, my friend. Hmm. So that's the one I have, the, the little tiny trade paperback. And I got mine. This is the this is the fucked up part about this. I got mine at uh, our local uh, used bookstore, which I will name drop. I got it at Tidal Wave. And I got it sometime after it was sold to them because tidal wave does this really interesting thing where they on their their labels their their resale stickers they put exactly when the book was put into their system sure i think so I you, think, you uh, can when go I back and borders, can... we had similar things on our stickers and our SKUs. nice so you can i can tell when this book was was sold to them and then i had to purchase it after this date and i guarantee you i bought it a long time ago but on the date here, it says that it was sold to Tidal Wave Books in, uh, on September 4th, 2013. That was a wise back. Yeah. So it's taken me a while to get to here, um, to actually reading it. So um, I think that that's, a, that's, uh, that's the edition edition then. Okay. Um, remember, if, if you'd like to read along... Pick up your copies for free online through Libby or uh, at your local library or go to a used bookstore and pick up a book there. Hoopla works. Um, Go to a used bookstore. Buy a book from a used bookstore or from a real bookstore. But um, if your bookstore has the same name as a river in South America, don't buy it. Avoid (laughs) it as much as possible until... Take that, Rio Grande books. Until they decide to give us money isn't the rio grande in america it's, it's in north america but it's in the south of north america that's why i got i got confused i'm sorry it's yeah but uh, you you heard the word rio you thought the word rio and you jumped to brazil and you were no, like no rio no, de janeiro was, no, no, rio grande southern river it's the same i was not making the rio connection i'm telling you all rios are the same to you wow blame it on rio two chances on the sand i didn't want i don't want to go there I well, was deliberately. She, I, I was stopping myself. What? What about uh, uh, what about Jesse Eisenberg? I don't know. What about Jesse Eisenberg? He played the titular bird Rio in the animated feature Rio. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to zoom away from you now on my speed wagon. That's R E O, not R I O. I didn't say R I O. I said Rio. That's not how you, nobody pronounces I, that. I love listening to my Rio Speedwagon. <laughs> the sad part is I'm very confident that there were no warning signs in your head that indicated how bad that would be. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> so I can't I can't be mad at you for those sign those signs not existing. Mm-hmm. 
I could just be, I can just weep for everyone else. Um, so, uh, yeah. So let's get into these books. Uh, uh, go again, go to your local bookstores, go to the, the library, pick up your books. I got, I'll tell you what, I got my copy of this book for four bucks at tidal wave. Nice. And I probably used trade in credit cause I like books and I sell books back. Um, and everyone else should too, because it's super cool to trade in books. Do we have anything else we should talk about about these books before we get into think, it? I mean, I'm going to have a lot of questions. All right. But we might as well get into it so I can start asking them. Okay. Well, um, then I'm going to let you take the lead, but I'm going to s- introduce us to, uh, let's start The Legend of Dritz do Urden, book one, Homeland. All right. Uh, well, first of all, then, uh, it opens with a map. It does open with a map. I couldn't really see on my Kindle. So I looked really closely at it and found out it was someplace called Menzoberranzan. First of all, do you have a better yeah. way to pronounce that? Menzoberranzan. Menzoberranzan. Okay. Um, so I looked that up on Google Images where there's a million uh, artist representations, renderings. And first thing I noticed was it was underground. So I'm like, okay, got it. That's what you're trying to tell me, Kindle. I understand that. I stopped looking at that point because I didn't want spoilers, but cavernous, underground, not quite Lovecraftian city, but interesting. The Underdark. The, uh, now, so, okay, question one. How, first of all, let me give you a, let me ask a broader question. How much of the lore in this book is predicated on forgotten realms in D and D probably a lot. So like Lolf is a, I'm pretty sure Lolf is a real God. You okay. See, it's stuff like that. That's what I did not know. Oh, I should make it very clear. If you don't know this, this is all official Canon. Like this is all taking place in the forgotten realms. The like official, like main D and D where you just sit down and have a, okay. Let's go even broader again. Uh, is Forgotten Realms a subset of D&D? Kind of. The, the way, like, uh, Ravenloft is? No, cast, I'm pretty sure Castle Ravenloft exists in the exists in the Forgotten Realms. Oh, it's with... Okay. I, I was thinking of them as um, modules. It's not like planes, where it's like... It's like, uh, like in Magic the Gathering, there's, like, different planes in each... Like, you can I, have... I'm going to have less of a grasp on anything well, magic-wise. Well, like, I'm just saying, like, if you can imagine, like... Uh, there's planes two different of existence, you mean? Yeah, planes of existence. Okay, There's okay, two okay, different okay. planes of existence that have different names. They are different, like worlds, if you will. They have, they are they're separate from each other. Uh, so in in Dungeons and Dragons, like I'm pretty sure there's like the there's the uh, I forget what the plane is called that like this would be set in because uh-huh. I don't think it's just like the Forgotten mm-hmm. Realms. I think it has an actual name. So the the term Forgotten Realms makes me think of a a land that is cut off somehow from what I'm going to call D and D proper, whether by magic or plane of existence or a magic mist that strips your flesh from your bones. I don't know. Well, maybe it would help for me just to read you the, this part of the player's handbook uh, of D and D player's handbook, Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition player's handbook. Okay. Here in this, in the very beginning of the book, page five, it says, Worlds of Adventure. 
The many worlds of Dungeons and Dragons games are placed uh, are places of magic and monsters, of brave warriors and spectacular adventures. They begin with a foundation of medieval fantasy and then add the creatures, places, and magic that make these worlds unique. The worlds of Dungeons and Dragons games exist within a vast cosmos called the multiverse connected in strange and mysterious ways to one another and to other planes of existence, such as the elemental plane of fire and the infinite depths of the abyss. Within this multiverse are an endless variety of worlds. Many of them have been published as official settings for the D&D game. The Legends of the Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance, Greyhawk, Dark Sun, Mistara, and Eberron settings are woven together in the fabric of the multiverse. Alongside these worlds are hundreds of thousands more, created by generations of D&D players for their own games, and amid all the richness of the multiverse, you might create a world of your own. Okay, so it's a multiverse situation. Right, and so the the forgot because this book is branded Forgotten Realms, mm-hmm. that, as far as I understand, that means it's in a very specific setting. Sure. Now... There it is. This is the book I was looking for. Um, a lot of research has to go into this episode. I should have done We're it ahead of time. We're all going to do it live. No, it's fine. You didn't know what I was going to question. Fuck it! We'll do it live! Oof. Hey, there he is. He's. This is a picture of Drizzt in this book. Huh. Spoilers. Spo- spoilers? He has an image. I think that there was a section here that describes the Forgotten Realms, like, world better, but... Um, Maybe I'm misremembering it. Um, oh, wait. Here we go. Maybe this will be it. The Underdark is a vast collection of caverns uh, and open spaces under the surface of uh, Faerun, which I believe is essentially a like continent on the planet of Toril in the Forgotten Realms. There's multiple planets in just this plane of the Forgotten Realms. Perhaps, but at minimum, there are multiple, like, large locations or realms. Like, for example, the Underdark is its own realm. Gotcha. Baldur's Gate is its own realm. I've heard of that. Waterdeep, its own... I mean, it's basically a city, but as far as I can tell, it's easier just to say realm. I don't know... I'm not the best learned man on this subject, but... um, or the most learned man, but it's, that's the best. Does that make more sense? Like there, this, there is, there appears to be a vast, this is a a vast subterranean world on a world where there's a vast terranean world. Well then, so my first question really, so when when, when we get into the first section, because it still has to do with this somewhat. Okay, go for it. That brings us to? Prelude. Okay. I don't know who's speaking, but are the Forgotten Realms known as the Forgotten Realms within the Forgotten Realms? I think so. Gimmer, even if they said that at the very beginning or not, uh, but that just occurred to me at that point. Yeah. Um. I, again, I think that like, like if you refer to Europe, that's a region within, like a continent, on Earth. So let's talk about the locus of control then. Who's or doing like the, for- the the UK? So who's doing the forgetting? <laughs> so your question was who's doing the forgetting yeah they're the forgotten realms and they call themselves the forgotten realms like we call europe europe and the europeans call europe europe uh who's doing the forgetting forgetting of these realms i don't know okay um all right it's fine it's okay we'll just ask the questions as a uh 
come to me. Um, my first real note about the book is the prose is very lyrical. I cannot yet tell if it's intriguing or tedious. Mm. Okay. And then my next question is about Dark Elves. So do you have anything before that? Not really. What is the deal with Dark Elves? Well, uh, they're... Oh, hold on, yeah. hold on. I got some more. Uh, are they just cave elves? Are there forced dwarves to balance things out? Yes. Because dwarves are, you know, Tolkien, I think of elves in the forest and dwarves in the cave. And here it seems like things are all topsy-turvy. Well, mostly there's hill dwarfs or mountain dwarfs. Um, there's no tree dwarfs. I mean, they're pro- it's a, it's an infinite world of imagination. So, I mean... I understand things could happen, but if they're not established, then I'm not going to count them. I have... I, again, I'm not real... I, I understand that you want me to be... No, the person that's who fine. Has all the answers. Yeah, I will accept. I don't know, but but if something jogs your memory, then... uh, I know that gnomes tend to be more like forest dwelling, and the the halflings or Lightfoot, as I think they like to be called now, yeah, we'll tend talk to take about that them later too. They they tend to take the place of the you know the small folk what live in different areas. Sure. So whereas dwarves get hills and mountains, the the gnomes and Lightfoots get light feet. They get the uh, other areas. So what can you tell me about Dark Elves? Well, they live underground in the Underdark, and they have white hair, and they have black skin. Like, very, very black skin. Do they Do they, Do they? they have a specific origin? The way that the Orkai I mean, did? No, nah, not in that. I don't think so. I think they just are, like, a race that exists. I mean, I don't, again, I don't really know. Okay. I, I, I know. It's not going to stop me from asking. I, Okay. Uh, not not asking you to stop asking, just explaining that I don't have an answer. <laughs> then okay, uh, my next question is: This like Elf Quest? What the hell was Elf Quest? <laughs> yeah, that's not something I can help you with. That's fine. That's fine. Just remember saying it. <laughs> Great in podcast. School, Sorry, everybody. Library. Uh, drow is that the same as dark? Yes, drow is just another word for dark elf. Okay. This is stuff I'm just like I'm trying to piece together. I'm like, I'm no, like yeah. Sorry. Two pages in, and I'm like, what's happening? Uh, drow, drow is the proper term for it. Um, okay. Yeah, if you were going to make a character in Dungeons and Dragons, you could choose that character's race, and drow would be an option. And, and because of Drizzt, it tends to be like an option that's sort of like, come on, you're gonna play a fucking dark elf. He's a little OP for like a younger, for like an entry level character. Um, o- o- OP. Overpowered. Oh, okay. Can't they can't they start out uh UP? If you roll really badly, but they like the thing is like uh you know, they all get their different like abilities. So like so yeah, like so with with the elves, if you were going to play an elf, you could choose to play as a uh, a high elf or a wood elf or a a dark elf or a drow. Which drow Drow is. I'm saying it, it's okay, it's okay. in parentheses. Okay. Drow. Okay. 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 Yo, I almost got you. No, you almost got yourself. Uh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, but they also have sunlight sensitivity, so it's not that great to be a drow if you're going to be above ground, except for our protagonist. But we'll get there. We'll get there. What more? What other questions do you have about this setting? Uh, I think for the prelude, that's all I've got. Okay. Is there anything you want to say about the prelude or a summary? No, I had no notes. I think the prelude is just basically saying the things you've 
it's apparently poorly saying the things you were asking questions about. I don't know if it is, and that's 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 a that's a, the grain of salt I have to take this book with, and that's a lot of people who are coming to this book are going to be somewhat steeped in yeah. Forgotten Realms lore, and I'm completely. I mean, I feel like I feel like you need to reread the prelude a couple times because that is explaining the setting, like because it's not a character saying these things. I think it's the author. I think okay. it's a. I think it's just him trying his best to give you a shot in the arm of like what this world looks like. What does the underdark look like? I will will reread the prelude before the next set of chapters. And I think in a, in a way that's a disservice to new readers like yourself or people who are not accustomed to even the concept of drow, it doesn't do a great service because it starts off by saying like the first line of the book in the prelude is Never does a star grace this land with a poet's light of twinkling mysteries, nor does the sun send to hear its rays of warmth and light. You know, uh... <laughs> this place is unseen by the sky. It's subterranean. That's what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. You're not Lovecraft, dude. But he didn't say that. He said this other stuff. Yeah. It's it's flowery in a place that has no vegetation. It, it would be nicer if... It was a primer for people who were completely unfamiliar with the Forgotten Realms as opposed to... Remember that thing? That's what I, we're talking I, about. I think that that's a fair criticism as a as a person who's who's breaching Baldur's Gate, as it were. Um, I, I almost understand that reference. I don't, oh, but okay. um, I still didn't stop me from making it. Okay, so no, I don't have any more notes about that. I, I, I'm sorry. I feel like... I feel bad for you because the best thing I can say, besides walking through each line of the prelude and explaining what I think it means, mm-hmm. it's literally just going to mostly be this land is underground. There are no, there's no sun. There's no access to the sky. There are stalactites and stalagmites all over the place. There's a massive overhead cavern above us. If you looked really far up, you'd see where it is. There are a bunch of like castles and buildings and structures that the drow and the, bugbears and the goblins have built down here and there appears to be a lot of mushrooms and uh, phosphorescent fungi Mm -hmm. i think this might be another thing where like having the book might have helped because even just the cover image kind of like gives an example of what the underdark might look like a little i mean like there's mushrooms to me but it does look with the with the stalactites and stalagmites and the mushrooms it looks like a forest at night Forests have stalagmites? That's usually a cavern. No, those look thing. like trees. That's what I'm saying. Oh, gotcha. I, I, okay. I just kind of glancing at it. I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm thinking, and uh, you know, I'm thinking my, my, my preformed prejudice against all elves. I think elves forest. Well, I'm learning now that's not the case. Um, I don't think that I don't think Tolkien had a this version of the elves except like this isn't the only time I've ever heard of underground elves. Mm-hmm. The Elder Scrolls series has an underground elf that is like that I think is more it's a better depiction of what I think like R.A. Salvatore is trying to or Dungeons and Dragons is trying really hard to come up with a badass elf original thing. Sure. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like their skin should be white, not black. Like they should have no eyes. They should have gone blind. And that's what happened to the elves in in elder scrolls is they became like those little lizards that get trapped in in caves and they who like lose their vision and lose all their pigmentation no that totally makes sense but it is a very striking image to have that inverted you know dark skin and and white hair yeah it is striking it is a very unique thing and and uh 
it also isn't as weak. Like the the elves in Elder Scrolls are sort of chumps. They're like they're like bad guys. They're very much like goblins, where you're just like, eh. Elder just, Scrolls these are killable. Is, Elder Scrolls is just a video game, right? Ah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's plenty of other medium, but I've only ever experienced it through a video game. I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, yeah, I don't have, I think I have anything else. Um, well, then that brings us to part one, station. Yeah, I don't have any notes on this part. Do you want I to say just, anything? I just wrote, questions? what the fuck is, so what the fuck is station? Uh, I think station is, is it's, it's a metaphor for like hierarchy. It's like your position in the hierarchy. Oh, that actually makes sense. I, you, I did like, not. These, yeah, no, it's just like through these six chapters, it's very clear that hierarchy and order and where you, where your station is, is an extremely important part of this world. That totally makes sense. I, for whatever reason, and maybe it's just because I was, I, I saw that and immediately went to Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Um, right. Uh, I did not come away. It, it just you saying, Oh, it's like, you know, know your station. Um, got it done. Moving on. Right. Did not right. come away with it. Okay. That's, that was my only question. Yeah. Uh, like this part where he says like station is the paradox of the world of my people, the limitation of our power within the hunger for power. Yes. He does say that. But that doesn't necessarily apply to me a case system. No, but the rest of the context of those six, these six chapters do. Sure. Sure. But at that point I had sure, absolutely. moved on from this. Sure. Um, okay. Um, I have no notes cause it all just seemed like those, it was like, Oh, we're killing a bunch of pages here. Um, so then that jumps us right into one. Menzo Berenzan. I already forgot how to say it. I, I would pronounce it. I'm not saying this is the right way to pronounce it, but I would pronounce it Menzo Berenzan. I, see, I like how you say that. It doesn't sound silly when you say it like that. Menzo Thank Berenzan. You. Thank you. I'm just going to forget it again. It's okay. Think uh, of it as like Menzothelioma, but like Menzo Berenzan. I will definitely do both of those things. No, you won't. Nope. <laughs> um... All right. Well, I have a summary. I feel like we might as well yeah. just jump through the summary. Give me that some. Um, I I don't know. It's. I think uh, off the bat, I want to say it does. This is a. This is probably our first venture into high fantasy. Okay. And it. I, I've got to say it off the bat. I think it's worth noting for me that I feel awkward doing a review of a high fantasy story. What's that? Because high fantasy is inherently silly. So approaching it analytically or critically or uh, faux intellectually feels like a silly thing to do. So it's simultaneously completely fitting and also like glaringly, obviously wasteful. I could see that, um, I guess. But high fantasy so, works because it takes itself seriously. So we have to do the same. Sure. It just, it's hard to, to, to feel not silly when I say Menzo Berenzan with confidence mm. or Drids de Urden as if I know what I'm fucking saying because this is all nonsense. I'm going to, uh, we will definitely be talking about the names later. Well, that's, that's basically what I had to say is that starting off here, the names we can, we should maybe just talk about them now, now in a Let's sense, because now. I feel like that's, you can't really get into the talking about the story without addressing the names of the places and the people in it. Okay. Well you go first. And, and well, my, my overall impression is that again, I, th it, it just feels like, man, these fantasy names feel like they're just one or two steps above reasonable. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of where I f am right now is it, it, there's parts where like characters will get like, shortened names like 
Zach will show mm-hmm. up later, and it's like yes. cool. Yep. A character named Zach. Yep. Cool. That's a name I can recognize and associate, but like I don't remember any of Drid's sisters' names. I don't remember his brother's names. Um, because they were all a pile of keyboard smashings. Yes. In my opinion. No, uh, I, I'm going to be right there with you in a second. And even when I, and it's, uh, it's going to be impossible not to compare this to what my understanding of the, uh, Lord of the Rings books and characters and stuff like that. But in those worlds, it feels like for some reason, the character names all feel reasonable mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I'm not going to, I'm not going to get all hoity and suggest that that's because, Tolkien created languages (laughs) and understood language implicitly. And so he knew exactly what he was doing when he was borrowing from Welsh and borrowing from Dutch to create the names of these characters so that they felt like words that existed in Germanic languages to begin with, or in just human languages to begin with. I feel like you can get that hoity-toity and I'm going to get that hoity-toity. Okay. Okay. But I don't feel like that happens in this book. I feel like completely agree. And that and that really comes across in these first couple chapters. However, six chapters in, I'm adjusting. So I, what I wanted to say was I want to recognize that it's entirely possible that I am just so accustomed to the Lord of the Rings words, languages, place names that they don't feel silly because they are I'm comfortable with them. And I'm just uncomfortable with these right now. But Possible. give me 20 years with these, and maybe they'll feel, like, reflexively normal. Possibly. Possibly. Um, I'm going to say I, I'm definitely bringing a lot of prejudice to this, and I'm trying to not take it with me into the story. But there's definitely a... I mean, like you said, Tolkien did spend years, like, in the double digits, creating his lore, crafting languages... Because he was a nerd, he was a, had a passion for this shit, he had a passion for history, he had a passion for languages, and so that worked for him, and then he was able to draw on all that, and it felt organic, and on top of that, while well, he did have some weird-ass names, often with the apostrophe in there, uh, he also had simple names, sometimes as simple as Tom, names that we're familiar with. Then well... Have... Shut up. Then you have names... No, I, mean, I just mean, like, specifically that name, you have to say the whole name. No, I don't have to say that. And then when you say the whole name, it sounds stupid. It doesn't sound stupid, but let me finish my goddamn point. (laughs) Okay, then you have the once-removed names like, you know, Mariadoc, but gets shortened to Mary, and Frodo, which isn't that weird. And there are these names that you can familiarize yourself with, and you take them right in, you're like, okay. And when you have a weird name, it comes along slowly. I feel like there's a subset of people who read that, Go, oh, I can do it too, and maybe spend a good amount of time building in their mind what they think is a rich lore, although it's only on, you know, one level where Tolkien knew what rich lore needs because he's a history nerd and a language nerd. And like you said, keyboard smashings. Oh, I don't know. It sounds like this. Okay, moving on. Next character. And they just churn it out, and it feels like it. And that's kind of what this does feel like. Yeah, that especially at least with the names. I, I, I to defend to defend Dungeons and Dragons at least with these books and the lore. It's not created by one person, but that, there is a massive amount of lore that does exist previous to this book that is canon. That this per, that, that that Salvatore or Salvatore is. I'm just gonna call him Bobby. Uh, that Bobby is. Uh, he he is enriching, immersed in. He is part drawing of. on. Yes, no, and that's a fair fair point that he is beholden to this all the stuff that's come before and telling a story with it 
But it isn't, to, to your point, it isn't the sole creation of one mental powerhouse. It isn't the sole generation of one person's creative juices into a like a, a strict dogmatic narrative or lore. It is the culmination of a whole bunch of people's uh, contributions to a collective lore. It's a lot more like the Marvel universe yeah, uh, okay. is than 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 Tolkien's universe. Sure. Um, I don't have, but I, again, I don't have any nor notes on this chapter. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I got some. Wait, hold on. I, I do. I'm sorry. It was a summary. We haven't even gotten to the summary. I'm sorry. That's true. We just got into we we like the stuff I wanted to establish. So. Uh, summary we're in the underdark we kind of explained what that is um i my note here is man a whole lot of establishing lore um <laughs> wait wait are you doing summary or are you doing notes this is this is a summary it's okay. just i don't it's just i don't have a better way of writing this just, i don't want to i don't want to read the whole chapter sure it's, it's just like it's a whole lot of establishing lore uh we're introduced to the main players of the Dordan family the two sons the three daughters uh of mistress malice who is the uh, matriarchal head of House Dordan, the tenth house in in uh, Menzo Baranzan. See, even that sounds silly. Dinin is the second boy of the house and spends most of the chapters setting up uh, the scene of uh, Menzo Baranzan, where he's running through and doing sneaky things and talking to the faceless man or whatever his name is. And it, it I know that it felt like because I, I think this goes to what you were saying. It felt this chapter felt like to me, like I'm not good at reading. Because it's written so weirdly. It is. But I think they're, I said here, I think they're planning to murder the leader of a rival house. Yeah. Uh, and that's mostly what happens in this chapter. Also, it's established that at this point, Mistress Malice is pregnant and plans to sacrifice her newborn son to Lolf the Spider Queen. Which I feel like is a good sentence. So, that's basically what happens. Hmm. Is we just get, a, we just get introduced to the hierarchy of the house and the concept of houses and all that other stuff. Uh, man, I, I wish I could summarize it better than that. I think you did good. Uh, I actually have a page note on page. What, what for me is page 18, probably page 11 for you. I got some stuff from the beginning. What, what, what part is yours about? It's about how house Dorton owns slaves. Oh, okay. We'll get to that then. So right off the bat, uh, as soon as I read lizard mount, I, I, I'm like, Oh, can it go up the walls and ceiling? Second paragraph confirmed. I'm like, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> totally, totally dig yep. a lizard mount. Um, man, a lot of names and info is happening at me. So when they say wizard, is this faceless one a dark elf wizard or like a human no, wizard? I think I'm guessing, this is a human. I'm guessing wizard, subsequently, a, a different. I I don't know if it was ever really clarified very well. Oh, but my impression was that it's not a drow wizard because he uses candlelight. They make a mention of him using candlelight. I thought they no no. I thought they said that he uses the candlelight for his spells, and that's why his heat vision isn't as good. Then so maybe I, he is I a drow. Assume, yeah, I, I think later. He, you know on, what? He must be a drow because of the plans that occur later. Yes, yes. I think this is just early on. I was not sure. Also, green goo face. Yikes! Uh, Bugbears. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. I just I, they're goblin-like creatures. I just I was proud because I know you've. Uh, talked about that before uh let's talk fantasy names and made up language we did that whatever's going on with the patron husband situation seems to be interesting we find out more about that it's very cuckish which is kind of interesting to me Uh... so yeah so i think you can make your comment now because my next two aren't specifically well uh, just sort of a flashback to the whole 
notion of Harry Potter being a slave owner. Uh, I'm just not into owning slaves in fiction. Uh, it bums me out. Uh, I, 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 I get that again, more so in, in the forgotten realm series than in the Harry Potter universe. These are so obviously like super subhuman and house elves in the Harry Potter films are not to me. Okay. Um, like, like bugbear and goblins are like Urukai. Like they are like monster creatures. They are, yeah. they are, they are like vicious, crazy monsters. And, and, and so th- like the word slave is, I guess the thing that like it, it sucks to read because it's correct because these are sentient creatures, but like, and I get that again. It's just like, oh, cool. It's it, we let's let's all use like slavery, like George R. R. Martin uses rape to show how bad someone is. And it's like it just it feels really lazy. And maybe I'm just too old for these books or this trope. But it I can't ignore it when I see it. Um, I feel like I'm gonna have to pay attention to it because I don't think it's gonna change and I don't think it's going to get better. But it's an icky part of the fantasy genre when the bad guy owns slaves for me. Okay, that th- th- there is the actual thing I wanted to ask you. Um, because in the Harry Potter world, a big point of contention were a lot of people who weren't being the bad guy were okay yes. with the house elves. But these right. are all bad guys, so why is that not an okay thing? To, to, um, to, to have the bad guys be bad in that way, other than being lazy. The, the, well, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's not really, like, bad because the people are bad. It's just, like, the we're not gonna i I don't know it's just like we're not gonna hear a story about slavery we're gonna hear a story about something completely different and slavery is just in the backdrop oh okay so it's just like it's just like cheap um window dressing yes and and i feel like that's the kind of subject that should absolutely not be that gotcha okay and and so when i when i see it and they're like oh fuck it these are the slaves we're gonna reanimate their corpses and make them like you know do more undead slave shit and it's just like it feels and maybe this is intentional, but it just feels like life is so cheap and, and it perhaps it is in the forgotten realms, but it just feels really like, uh, icky. Mm -hmm. And especially because we're in the world that spawns the greatest hero of Dungeons and Dragons, presumably. And he comes from a family that owns slaves and sacrifices him like they're nothing. And it just feels like it, it just feels icky. It feels like, ugh. Off-putting. Maybe that's a better word. It's off-putting. Okay. So I, I just that's that's my main note is I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep an eye out for it, just to see if it if it comes up again. If it goes anywhere. Yeah, I I feel like it's not going to. I feel like we're gonna we're gonna hone in on Drid's story and we're gonna forget about his bugbears and his goblins and his other slaves, possibly other drow slaves. They talk about common drow being Mm -hmm. a thing. Mm -hmm. Who knows. But uh, anyway. All right, then I've got a note here. Um, so Mithril and orcs are okay, but hobbits are not. How does that work? Do you know anything about that? No, and I mean, if you want to go even further, adamantine is okay. Well. It's not adamantium. No, I know, but I, I, maybe adamantine or adamantine could be a metal actually in the Dungeons and Dragons book, you know, manuals. Like my, I I think three I think plus it sword was. is made up of adamantine, um, <laughs> but it's just, it's just a weird delineation where I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what Tolkien made up and what he didn't, but Mithril always seemed to me to be pure Tolkien, but they apparently can use that with a plum, 
Um, and orcs I'd never heard of anywhere else until after him. Um, again, I know I know that Dungeons and Dragons had a. I, I, I'm fairly confident there was legal proceedings between uh, Dungeons and Dragons and the Tolkien estate because of IP laws. Uh, and I'm fairly certain that's why they no longer can refer to their halfling characters as hobbits. Well, maybe it's because he has a book named The Hobbit, and that's trademark. Maybe. Maybe he didn't trademark Mithril. Maybe yeah. he didn't trademark Orakai or Orc or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, like, hobbits definitely out off the table. Sure. Uh, so you call them halflings, you call them Lightfoot. Yep. Um, okay. Um, and this so this last, and, may, and I'm sure we'll go into it later, but I was just wondering if you had any sense, because it threw me for a real loop. Uh, after we're introduced to Zach, the weapons master, former patron, uh, nothing, there's this line, nothing gave Zach more pleasure than killing drow elves. And I'm like, isn't he one? What the, f- that, that's just a lot to drop on me when we're in a chapter from his or a section from his point of view without any kind of backstory, like that's the line. And then you move on to something else. I'm like, ah, I'm confused. I, I think it might be again, one of those things about station. It might be this idea that when he kills drow elves, he's only doing it to advance himself or his house. I don't know. Cause it said he'd be happy killing the, the Orden family as well as the. This is, they said that about Zach. I swear. I don't. I this feel like Zach. The end of chapter one. Maybe I misread it. Oh, you're right. It does say that. What does it say? Uh. You're gonna find out a lot quicker than me. Breeza offered him a final salute and monitored her serv- and motioned her servant away. Good fighting, she called to Zach, though he was already invisible in the air above her. Zach chuckled at the irony of her words. As the twisting city of Menzo Berenzan rolled out below him, she wanted the clerics of House Devere dead, as surely as Zack did, but for very different reasons. All complications aside, Zack would have been just as happy killing the clerics of House Duurden. Okay, cool. So yeah, I'm like, there's yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it could just be like this character loves fighting just in general. And that's, well, I mean, and it's not trying to say anything about who he, like he would bite the hand that feeds. Maybe he's just saying, I just love fighting so much. I don't think so. I feel like that's, we're going to get more of a reveal about that, but that just seemed like a bit of a clunky way to introduce what is going to be foreshadowing because it made it's also hard stop to say everything else. And one, like, I want to know more about this now, not just a hint. I mean, again, only having read the six chapters, it does seem like these fucking people abuse each other violently constantly. Oh yeah. So like, maybe maybe that's maybe maybe R A is providing us with a very well established lore, and it's just we're adjusting hard to it because it is so opposite of what we're used to. Like he's he really is painting a world, and he's not really like I don't think he's really letting up on the things he's insisting are real about this place. Mm-hmm. They're just so abhorrent and awful that like, it's hard for me to feel like this is the realm where a hero grows up. Okay. Um, so like, maybe that's not abnormal for them to be like, yeah, of course I would, I would kill the people in this house again. Maybe again, may, it could be to advance his own station, maybe right. not to advance the station of his house, but his own station. Like that's, that's part of what I think this is, is all going to be about. Like, 
all these characters are ruthless and cutthroat and all of them, all of them, if I think about it, are working really hard to pr progress themselves. They all seem extremely attuned to opportunities that could advance themselves and they all take them. Right. So I think that that's a, I think that's a pretty significant and well-established feature of these characters. It's just like adjusting to realizing that is difficult for me. Um, do you have any more notes in that chapter? I'm done. Then get us up to two, the fall of house de Vere. So in this chapter, the summary is that the Do'urden army destroys house de Vere. Uh, Dinan, the second son of house Do'urden, kills his elder brother while um, Matron Malice is in the process of giving birth to Drizzt and her daughters, the clerics or of uh, House Deurden are preparing to sacrifice the new baby to Loth the Spider Queen to bless the battle, to give them advantage to take out this house. But because Dinan uh, murders his eldest brother in the middle of the battle, they feel like the sacrifice of a son has been made to Loth, so they don't need to sacrifice Baby Drizzt. Um, so Dr Baby Drizzt's life is spared. I think that's mostly what happens. There's a whole lot more of, like, again, this whole context of these people being awful to each other, these, these elves being cruel and vicious and 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 mean to one another. But again, I'll point out this this persistent and, and continuous theme of these characters betraying one another because maybe that is... Maybe, maybe drow culture is no more than waiting for the opportunity to betray someone sure do you have any more notes in this chapter let's see here um so how much of the mythology it plays established forgotten realms uh game stuff and how much is salvatore's but we've already kind of talked about that neither of us know right got a new word we can talk about that later yeah okay so this, this... they have these mushroom i'm gonna for lack of a better word gardens fields Every fifth mushroom's a shrieker. Sure. That's an alarm system. Sure. Everyone knows about this. Yeah. As they, everyone knows about this, they can use their magic or, or, or darts of whatever kind to silence the fifth mushrooms. Well, I mean, you'd have to, in order to do it so successfully, you'd have to have a lot of people around to do it. And they do. That's what they do. Yeah. That's, that's right, their plan. Right, right, right. My point is, everyone knows the fifth mushroom's a shrieker. You're expecting attack from all the other houses of all times. Rotate your goddamn crops. Make every fourth one the shrieker, and then when they hit the fifth <laughs> one, that the alarm still goes off. You fucking idiots! This is this is <laughs> this is Game of Thrones 101. Come on, right? Change the shit that everyone knows, so they don't know, so you live. That's just bad plotting on the diverse family. They deserve to die. Well, maybe you don't know what the other, maybe, maybe the Shriekers need four other, you know, mushrooms around them for them to even work. Yeah, sure. Rotate all of them or maybe like a, like a plot, like a, like a thing of turf, you know, lift it and turn it sideways. So now the fives go in a different way. Maybe they're a different color and everyone knows which one's a Shrieker. Maybe there's ways that they all can determine just by looking at them. I'm saying it's still a pretty piss poor alarm system. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's not the only one they seem to have. They, they have these other ones with these like spiders that don't work when they get whatever, when you activate the thing that all of the, I forget how they did that, but there was some sort of special way they got around the spiders. We never found out why that family was out of favor with the spider goddess, right? No. Okay. 
It was interesting. I was I was very curious about that, but then no information was coming. That's my I think that, those are my notes on that chapter. Um, my uh, note is just it starts to it's kind of feels like the Lion King. Like it feels kind of like how the Lion King starts, where you have this brother to brother betrayal, and a new baby is like oh, yeah, born. Okay. Yeah. Um, which in turn must mean it's kind of like Hamlet. I don't remember. Well, I, just... well, I wouldn't say specifically <laughs> Hamlet. I would say there's definitely some very thick Shakespearean themes going on. Right. Th- similar to Thor. Right. Which is why Brana, you know, made it so arch like that. Also with Dark Elves. Well, not that one. Not that one. All right. That's that's all I have for that chapter. All right, then. Uh, the next chapter is? Three. The Eyes of a Child. So innocent and pure. Gross. Uh, summary. The last surviving member of House Devere survives an assassination attempt, and with the help of an apprentice wizard, he replaces the faceless one in the Sorcee, which I think is a school, like a wizarding school. Mm-hmm. Also, the apprentice stole a panther figure from the uh, faceless one's desk, which I'm sure means nothing and will never come up again. <laughs> also, uh, they, in order to make the the ruse of the replacement faceless one complete. They have to, they it's a, it's alluded to and suggested that they pour acid all over the last just, surviving member of Devere's, the Devere house straight up melt face. his face off too. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of badass. It's, it's, it's again, one of those examples of like, this is drow culture. These people are ruthless and violent and take the opportunities they have when they arise. And they're also all very astute at recognizing these, these opportunities mm-hmm. and what has to be done to achieve them successfully. Um, because who wants to melt their face off with acid? No one. But this guy says, I know I have to. Also, the uh, Dritz family, the Dordans, determined that he has purple eyes, which appear to give him the ability to see in, uh, to see in light as well as darkness. That's all I have for that chapter. Okay. Um, my notes... Are we to the elf who lived yet? Barely. Uh, and then the <laughs> these dark elves are so mean. <laughs> they are. I'm like I'm 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 three chapters of prelude and a station in, and I'm just like, <sighs> this is this is this is a lot of a lot of mean. That's it. That's my that's my notes. All right. Same. That brings us to four, the first house. Summary here: uh, the matron of the first house of uh, Menzo Baranzan, whose name I forget, summons matron Malice to her palace. <laughs> it's clear the matron of the first house, whose name I don't remember, is flexing on matron Malice, who both congratulating and warning her about her ambitions in the city's hierarchy. So, six, congratulations, you defeated the f- fifth house or ninth house or whatever it was making the house to in the ninth house in the city. Congrats. But also remember, I am not to be fucked with. I'm ancient and I'm pregnant <laughs> and I'm going to have a billion kids. And we have a thousand members in our army. You guys have 300. Don't fuck with us. I'm giving you this courtesy of not murdering you here. So go and get fair. That's the summary of this right. chapter. Well, then my first note, all these characters so far are like vampires at a goth club, each trying to be cooler and more aloof than the last. And it's never particularly my scene. Not that I don't enjoy a good, you know, vampire yarn, but the, when you have the 
the the the posse, the the, the coven of vampires, all lolling about in their crushed velvet and trying to be you know outlanguid each other and be the lestadiest. That always kind of gets on my nerves, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm I have a little bit of struggling with that. Um, yeah, it's like it's like Thanksgiving at Lestats. <laughs> yes. Or lull thing about because of the spider queen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it's definitely feels that Armand, way. Armand, can you pass the blood sausage? I, I could if my, if, if my hands weren't full of blood sausage. Also in keeping with Anne Rice. Um, hands full of sausage. Never thought of blood sausage as a euphemism before. But it's probably the most apt of all the sausages, <laughs> right? For for an erection. Well, I wasn't. I mean, I was just kind of talking about it. That turgid meat packing its casing. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, we um, are. Ugh. <laughs> um. Thanks a lot, blood sausage. Um. Okay. Do you have any? Yeah. <laughs> I, I. Yeah. It's a. It's. I agree. Like it's. I don't feel like it's it hasn't reached the point of tedium yet. Right. Um, and and I'm very confident this character will eventually leave this bullshit. <laughs> um I just don't know when. I I just I guess I came to this book with all the fantasy that's ever come before it. Anything from I mean the Princess Bride, the Black Cauldron series, Star Wars. The farm boy would have left the farm by this point. Well, you do love a origin story, and I feel like there is this is probably going to be a significant origin story. Like this, the 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 you have to remember these are there's thirty fucking books. Sure. And I feel like this this trilogy is mainly about setting up Trizd as this, a character. So I feel like this specific book is like he's gonna. I don't think he's leaving the Underdark in this book. I think he's here the whole time. I appreciate that's a good point. This is. And and so I like an origin story, but I don't. What I don't like is there is, without giving you spoilers, there is a bit of a flashback in the book Hannibal. Okay. Pretty small. Okay. That flashback is expanded for hundreds of pages in the book Hannibal Rising. Wow. Which is not good. Okay. Um, and that is kind of what I'm getting from this. Like maybe. Yeah, I can appreciate in the that. first trilogy that you talked about maybe he said oh when i was raised this 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 and this happened a couple of paragraphs and now we're getting a book out of those couple of paragraphs exactly i have heard the the uh, what i've heard about this book and this trilogy is that the next trilogy is so good okay that it had to require a prequel trilogy okay so what i've heard and i don't know this to be fact i don't know this to be reality but what i've heard is like the crystal shard book four in the series was book one and it's going to knock our socks off and it it did not focus on drizzt oh, okay he was in the book he's the han solo he might have been the han solo sure so the 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 how interesting he was and how much he stole the show in that book mm-hmm. justified establishing an entire series based on him okay it's how i understand it so this, like I said before, this may be the Phantom Menace of this series. 
Um, it may be over explaining shit. It may be like for people like us who are trying to get started, maybe we should have started with crystal shard. Maybe we should have started with book four, but I didn't know any better at the time. And, uh, it has the number fucking one on the spine. So there's a lot of books that have funky reading order. So we're in yeah. it now. We're going to don't even get me started on the final destination series. Okay. I it's won't. famously out of order. Oh, sorry. You got me started. I didn't. <laughs> And now, because we started and you interrupted it, I'm gonna have to kill you. <laughs> Shit. See, because that's, that's, that's how final. That's how final destination works. Is you know, you, if you skip the order, <laughs> death's coming back for you. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> was Tony Todd actually death in that, or was he just creepy guy? Explain the rules. I only really think I saw the first one. I don't remember. Uh, I have I've seen many of them, but they are so forgettable. Like. You watch Final Destination movies for the kills, not for the plot. Except the first one. The first one's really good. Yeah, that's the only one I saw. Any more notes in that chapter? Nope. Then advance us, sir. Five. Weaning. All right, summary. Uh, this chapter quickly encapsulates, encapsulates Driz's childhood until about age five, and then uh, seems to jump again to age ten. Our only glimpse of his life at this point is under the tutelage of his older sister, uh, Verena who encourages, ridicules, and whips him constantly. And it's just more abuse of a child. Yep. It's a very brief, like, cut into, like, her observing how skilled he is at magic, a little establishment of his character. That's what this whole thing's about. This whole These whole interstitials are just about showing his ambition, his stubbornness is the word she uses, Drizzt's aptitude with like his own innate magic abilities mm-hmm. and his, uh, you know, physical attributes, which we get to later. That's, that's what this is about. Um, but it doesn't miss an opportunity to continue to show us the horrible, abusive world of the drow. I, I really don't have any notes. I will say, uh, have you ever been hit with a whip? No, I fucking haven't. It sucks. Yeah. And let me clarify. Um, this is when I was trying to learn, how to use a bullwhip and I sucked at it and hit myself. So in no way was that the full extent of what a proper whipped whip can do. This was, you know, probably not even a quarter of that. And that fucking sucked. Um, I imagine I feel, feel bad for this kid. Um, I at least I I appreciate that. Other than that, I have no notes. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to get into imagining what being lashed, is actually like Mm-mm. it's it's and i know that the thing about whips specifically like real whips not snake-headed whips which are the ones they use in this book sure which i i, I imagine are worse um, <laughs> the thing is it makes sort of like a little sonic boom yep it's traveling over like, 600 miles an hour right it, it makes a little explosion of force in mm-hmm. the air mm-hmm. so not only does it hit you with the force of the whip itself but it also like explodes you a little if you hit on the tip, at least. If you get it just right, you can... I, I, I've i read. I've read this in all the warnings that came with my awesome David Morgan bullwhip. My wife got me. Um, same as Indy. She indulges you so. She does. Um, they said it can definitely cut skin, but also occasionally break bones, which is impressive. <laughs> Not something you want to hit a person or an animal with. To be very clear, when you're driving animals, you're making a very loud 
like a what sounds like a gunshot, like a twenty two, and that scares the animal away. You don't fucking use a whip on an animal. You can just not use one for anything. And it would work fine. Okay, fine. Use them on Nazis, but you know, I'm I actually don't want to challenge you to do that because we seem to have a lot of Nazis nowadays, and I don't want you to go in and fight. I got a whip. You should you should have six you should have six guns. What? You should have you should just not even whip a Nazi, just shoot them to death. I don't know. Shooting's lame. Okay. Watch the Nazis shoot you. You, you remember remember that scene in Indiana Jones when he didn't use his whip when the guy pulled out the sword and he just fucking shot him? Yeah, that's remember just, that? that's for a sword. So if a guy walks up to you whip and goes and then the Nazi goes, bang! It's going to be a reverse Indiana Jones. No, it won't, and because I won't have a sword. This is very, I'm being very clear about this. <laughs> yeah, you you are. You are. You under, you don't understand it just well enough. Um, I'm, I, look, I'm advocating don't shoot people. I guess I should advocate that, too. I am saying I would rather have a gun in a Nazi fight. So that uh, let's go to... Part two, the weapons master. These these interstitials, these part two parts, these parts seem to just mostly be Driz, uh, an adult Driz uh, recollecting about aspects of his childhood. Yep. That's that's what these are. No notes. Do you have any actual notes? Yeah, me nope. neither. Uh, all right, moving on. Six, two hands. All right, so the summary here is that uh, Driz is now 16 and has been promoted from page prince to second boy. Uh, keeping in mind that his oldest brother died right after Drizzt was born, or right before, and his older brother advanced to first boy, presumably that's the title, and now Drizzt became second boy. Uh, he's also, there's a, uh, they did a test to determine which, where he would be headed, either to the Sorcy to become a wizard, because uh, Matron Malice heard that he had done very well at his innate magic abilities, and they were like, well, we need a new wizard for our house, and... But then Zack, the weapons master, did some sort of fancy trick with him where he made him catch a bunch of coins to test his dexterity and his agility. And Drizzt excelled exceptionally. So he excelled so well that uh, Matron Malice said, fine, I guess he's not going to be our wizard. He's going to go be a fighter. And she sent him to go live with Zack, the weapons master, uh, to begin his tutelage. And there's also a pretty strong suggestion that Zack is actually actually Drizzt's father not the other guy whose name I don't remember who starts with an R, who's the current patron of House Doerden. It's not Rizza, but it's close to that. It's like Risen. Yeah. It's something like that. Uh, do you have any more notes? I do. Uh, that's actually my first one, because there's there's a two-part clue about Zach being Drizzt's father. And the first at the first part, I was like, so is Zach the father? I thought it was Rizza. But then... Later on, it seems seems like it's confirmed. Um, and then I guess the other part of this, I'm not buying Drizzt's... I'm so uncomfortable saying that name. Is it Drizzt? I think it's Drizzt. Drizzt. I'm not buying Drizzt's sassiness, his, 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 his weird attitude, his... I'm not like the other Dark Elves that's come up it it doesn't it seems so underdeveloped like he has this because he's the main character and we expect him to have it by virtue of that that that's what i'm seeing from birth he's been around these people who've treated him harshly i don't know why he would have any sort of spark of um 
rebellion or even just happiness or something that they can't quite stamp out of him. It, it, they're not showing me anything other than that. They're just telling me, oh, he's got this quality. Um, yeah, uh, my impression of that is that he, I think all drow have the stubbornness and have the ambition and have the rebelliousness. I think that's part of their culture is that all of them have that, which is why the amount of punishment they have is so common. I don't necessarily understand the, I feel like he has a uncommon sense of levity, which they, they bring up a number of times and they haven't explained why that is, but they also haven't explained yet why his eyes are a different color. So I feel like those are the mysteries that must be introduced for a reason so that they can be solved. There's something to that, but I feel like at one quarter of the way into the book, we should have narrative infrastructure. That but we're only we're only one thirty second the way through the trilogy. There should be narrative infrastructure <laughs> that that doesn't make it seem like like a hard turn into data. Like, but oh, remember, here's some info. Moving on. You should have read three books before this book. Well, so it some says point one in, on it. It says number one on it. I know, I know. And if you're and writing it knowing it's a prequel, and that people are gonna, it's gonna be the, some people's first experience to it. You got to write it like it's that. This is me. Yeah. Um, that's my notes. Okay. Um, I have. Uh, I have a note here that growing up like this must be traumatic. Sure. <laughs> first, first they beat you till. Uh, you not but stare at your own feet, and then they whip you for not looking them in the eyes. It's just constant violence or threat of violence. No wonder they're always backstabbing each other. These guys seem like the uh, the Mirror Universe Federation. Yes, yes, they absolutely do. It wasn't until you just now said the amount of punishment they have. I'm like, oh my god. It's like, Mr. Sulu, give me your agonizer. Right. Yeah. Um, I know they're called other... the Federation in the Mirror Universe. I'm sorry, I don't remember what they're called. The Empire, the, whatever. I think they're called the. Uh, I think it starts with a T. Wow, there's literally. No I don't way remember. To find out. There's literally no way to find out. The Terran Empire. Where that that just came to you? I knew it started with a T. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't have any other notes. Um. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a weird book so far. <laughs> um, again, I, I I do kind of feel bad. I didn't realize that this was the fourth book in a series. I didn't realize that when we started, and I I I don't know what I would have done. It's that thing of like which which Star Wars do you watch first? I think the answer is Episode Four. Um, the Star Wars I watch first is Star Wars. Right. So doesn't have an I episode title. Released in 1977, just says Star Wars. Right, but if you were born after that well, and they, you walked into the series and saw number the four, correct despecialized version. Sure, uh, you can't do that with a book, Rob. <laughs> That's what I'm, the parallel here is not about Star Wars. That's not the most important part here. The most important part is the aspect we're dealing with right now, which is Homeland. That's a good there's point. No, there's no part of this that says on it anywhere. By the way, don't read this book. Read another book. Then come back to this book. Right. Um, so, like I said, I feel kind of bad about it because I didn't know that. But at the same time, like I said, I, I, I don't know what the right answer is for this trilogy or for this series of books. Sure. And, you know, I just think that we're, we're here now. 
so we just i think it's a you know we'll get used to it yeah put your head down and, and like move forward and maybe maybe it'll get interesting maybe by the end of this we'll go wow cool isn't that cool <laughs> wasn't that a good book who knows but one way or another we're in the forgotten realms now my friend and we are you are you are getting your exposure to Dungeons and dragons lore yes i am so uh you have no more notes and no more notes so that brings us to a new word alert. New word alert. All right, you ready? Yep. This might be the word that you knew that you had also. Limb. Limb. Live. L-I-M-N. Limb. Oh, L-I-M-N. I've heard it before or read it before i want to say it has something to do with the tree no that's a limb l-i-m-b no i i I hear i hear what you're hearing what is it uh it's a verb to draw or paint on a surface oh no not at all like if it wasn't the tree thing i thought maybe it was to like uh like even (laughs) like even out a table by putting a wedge of wood underneath one of the legs which is oddly specific. Um, That's to shim. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, nope. Nope. I did no, not know it's in, a limb. In, in this book, Drizzt limbs a image of his sister with his feet on the floor. He like paints a little image of his, his older sister oh, and totally... uses his body heat yeah. to, 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 to keep the, the lines on the floor. And he like can see it with his dark vision before it, like it cools and dissipates. Sure. 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 So I, I was like, I don't know what that word means. I have to look it up. That's what new word alerts are about. All right. This is my second new word. Occidental. As I've always understood it. And I feel like there's a lot of room here for, being wrong and i'm fine with that but that was the western version of oriental yes you have the orient and so i guess europe and america would be the occident yes okay that's that's how i've heard it but then i've also heard other ones where it's like no not really so i'm glad to know that we're on the same page that's that's the definitions i'm looking at over relating to or suited in the occident the west western over relating to occidentals or occidentals that's that's it, it's basically defining itself as itself, but okay. yeah, to to be of the West. I I read it, um, in a old uh, Captain America comic where he's fighting, uh, the Viet Cong, and they refer to him as an Occidental. Okay, that's my new words. What oh. what is your new word? And these might be words that you know by virtue of being uh. The DM of DMs who knows everything about yeah that's realms. that's what I that's what I am yeah um and I don't know if I have pronunciation robots for this so I'm just gonna say it Dwemer 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 yeah you know what it is well you can give me any little, definition well a Dwe- it, I I think the way that it's used in this book is different than the way I normally refer to it so the uh in like the Elder Scrolls the Mer are what they call elvish folk. So you have like uh the the you have like the Falmer and the uh the Dwemer um etc. I think in I think in the Elder Scrolls the Falmer are the the are like the dark elves. They're the elves that are in the underground. They're the blind ones with pale skin. 
Uh, the Dwemer are the dwarfs who are the, uh, the, uh, the dwarvish elves. They're, they're extinct. They don't exist anymore. And then there's the like Oscimer or the, which are, I think are like the orcs. And then there's the, uh, oh man, I could, do, I could, I know I could do all of them at one point. I know that there's the wood elves. I just forget what they're called. Balmer. Balmer? Bosmer. That's it. Bosmer. Like bosk, like a forest. The Bosmer are the are the are the wood elves. And then the high elves are yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh it's not this universe. But so Dwemer in my context there is in is uh such that it is about the dwarves. But I think in this one it, it Dwemer in this seems to be essentially like an enchantment. Mm-hmm. That's how I read it. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting to. Uh, what I found, though, uh, according to Dungeons & Dragons lore wiki, Dwemer is an old English word meaning witchcraft that derives from the old Norse term dvergmal, literally meaning dwarf talk, referring to the secret knowledge of magic among the original Norse dwarves. So, sounds like you were spot on. Altmer and Dunmer mm. um, are the... Uh remaining two yeah ultimer are the high elves um the uh bosmer are the wood elves i got that right the dunmer are the dark elves the falmer are technically the snow elves who turned into the like other ones uh dwemer are the dwarves it feels like the book's using it like you would use the term glamour if you're talking about the fae yes yes Right, uh, except not as a disguise, but as specifically as a, like... Influence. An enha- uh, enhancement. A, a sympathy magic, yeah. Yeah, like like uh, like, a bo- like a boost. Yeah. Like, to say, like, I have a, I've, I've really accentuated the, the lethality of this weapon by adding a Dwemer. Yeah. That's how I, I read it. Okay. Okay, what else you got? My last one. I'm going to butcher this one, but this is also just just from just reading it. I'm like, oh, I think you're going to know how to say this. Pawafwi? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, I don't is the answer. That, what I don't it is or remember. how to say it? Both. Okay. I, I know I've read it and I thought I should remember this. And then it came up later and I was like, ugh, yuck. That doesn't fit in my mouth at all. Well, according to Forgotten Realms Wiki... A Pawafwi was a drow cloak that granted increased powers of stealth and hiding and came in two varieties, lesser and greater. So, you know, basically a cloak from the Lady of Lothlorien. Sure. But with an ugly-ass name, Pawafwi. What the? Come on. It sounds very silly. It's, um, it's, match that keyboard. Wait, wait till you figure out what the name of the, of the fucking cat is. Oh, boy. You're not going to like that. The cat? Yeah, the cat. What cat? No cat. Ain't no oh, cat God in the book. It. Don't tease me like this. Ain't no cat in the book. Ain't no cat. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why do you know about a cat? Ain't no cat. How, did you read ahead? No. Listen, like I said before, I'm very confident that that small panther statue that the the assistant who oh, swept shit. up the floors in the source picked up and stole from the dresser and said, this is mine. The faceless one stole this from me. I'm the one who earned this. I'm keeping it. I'm sure that that little trinket will mean nothing. And come up not once. Okay. I think you're a liar. You can't prove it. You said you were from Spain. You're a liar. He's from Egypt. That's the true, true. Um, all right. Anything else? Nothing else. 
Then let's discuss what we're reading next. We're going to go through chapter 7 and stop at chapter 14. So 7 through 13, stop at 14. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. But do we, do we do Amazon Prime? So the only other note I have is that um, completely unrelated – Drow came into my life separate from reading this book last week. Okay. Separate from playing Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Sort of. So famously, famous to me, the television show Community came to Netflix a couple years ago. Yep. All of it. After it went to Amazon, or after after it went to Yahoo, after it went off of the air, all that stuff, it eventually went to uh, Netflix. And once it got on Netflix, there sort of was this uh, outcry about a very specific episode, maybe more than one, but at least one specific one was the Dungeons and Dragons episode, the episode titled Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, season two, episode four, I think. An an incredibly fantastic, magnificent, triumphant episode. Um, It is a immaculate piece of work. Except that in the very earliest parts of the episode, uh, the character Chang, played by Ken Jeong, uh, comes to the table to play Dungeons and Dragons in full cosplay as a dark elf or a drow. Now, as I as we talked about, drow have extremely dark skin, charcoal black skin, like black skin, and extremely white hair. So Chang is dressed like that in immaculately. <laughs> like if there's an opposite of grease paint, he's wearing it. Because grease paint's white, right? I think grease paint's a, a substance, and it can be any color. But I oh, okay. I, yeah. I was imagining that grease paint was like what the Joker put on to make himself chalk white. He, I'm sure he does, but you could right. get it in red if you wanted, or well, blue. it is. It must be that because it is full on the darkest dark I could. The darkest see. black I've ever seen. Skin. Yeah, yeah, and he, uh, Chang is dressed as a drow, and he, there's a line in it where Shirley says, "So we're all just going to ignore that hate crime." And then they they move on and his character dies and he leaves the episode. Well, apparently there was a I forget when it was, but sometime last year or the year before, there was this sort of like wave that rippled through streaming services where any episode of a show that involved blackface was removed from the streaming services. Like there's this weird like culling of that content, regardless of the content itself or of the intent, the intent or anything. Uh, If any character put on face paint to appear like they had darker skin like without with with extreme prejudice that was removed from the streaming service so one of the greatest episodes of that show was removed from netflix and unwatchable on the platform so you you and it hadn't been you could have watched it before but if you went back it would be gone so someone i know alerted me a couple days ago that that specific episode was available and viewable on Amazon Prime. So while I do not recommend Amazon for your book needs and will not suggest you buy from them for that service, they do have one of the greatest episodes of of, of community of television on their service, which Netflix removed. Streaming? So, like, 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 like... Yes. Because my, my question is, I can buy that episode on itunes okay um but you're saying to stream if you have amazon prime you can just watch it yeah interesting you can watch all of community on amazon prime i don't think i knew that well i think it may be a new thing but 
Mm-hmm. That yeah. episode and the and any of the others that may have been like nixed for sensitivity reasons are still there. Fourteen, not four. Okay. Not uh, fourteen. Yeah. All right. Season two, episode fourteen. Um. So yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I imagine that was a lot of people's first exposure to the concept of drow. Mm-hmm. I swear I saw some ElfQuest comic book in my third grade library that had a dark elf, and I was like, what's this? Never pursued it any farther. Just looked at the cover and went, huh. That's why, that's why, hence my ElfQuest question at the beginning. But I don't yeah. know anything about ElfQuest, so I don't know. I think ElfQuest is just a completely separate fantasy. For little, I think series. it's for littler kids too, and that's probably what I'm like. I almost picked it up, and I'm like, I think I'm too old for this. Well, don't tell that to ElfQuest fans. They're probably all adults or geriatrics. That's a good point. Um, if you're an ElfQuest fan, don't listen. So, next episode, let's read chapter seven through thirteen. Stop at fourteen. Okay. All right. Well, that's our that's our charge. Um. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I'm waiting for it to get interesting for me. I don't know if it's going to. Um, I'm, 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 I'm very, I'm, like my true prediction is that what we're about to read is we're about to read a story about how Dritz family either all gets murdered or how he ends up, the story of how he ends up being ejected from the uh, underdark how that's, he yeah that's what i thought going in when i when i as soon as i got the lay of the land by chapter two and i'm like these people are all horrible i really thought it was going to be a moses story and that he'd be out of there right away that he was going to get you know saved in the nick of time before getting sacrificed and raised among somebody else and that would be mm. where this was coming from but now he's there he's just still being downtrodden and i'm like and, and and that's i think where the that prequel feeling that um underworld rise of the lichens feeling is coming in where again yeah, they we, took a three minute flashback and turned it into an entire movie yeah we've, like, we've got to we've got to watch drizz build c-3po right like it, it that that's what this is about so an especially dangerous doug named sebulba <laughs> I don't have anything else to say, I guess. So, uh, all right. I guess we'll see you next time. I think that might have been Death Readers. So, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit.